Well, we're excited to have you on um, because obviously you're uniquely positioned to give us some answers, hopefully here. First of all, for our viewers, tell us, what is Divine Labs? Uh, well, Brent, um, we're located in Lindsay, Ontario. Uh, we're, again, um, the largest contract packaging facility for e-liquids in bottles, um, and we also manufacture closed pods systems. Uh, some other product lines include food flavoring, um, disinfection products, um, about 40,000 square feet of custom-built manufacturing uh, facilities with automation services and solutions. Um, we operate under ISO standards um, that are audited annually under ISO 9001 quality management, ISO 22716, a cosmetic good manufacturing process, and ISO 17025, uh, which is a uh, accredited lab facility for testing. Uh, our motto is, we take your brand from creative beginnings to quality assured, uh, shelf-ready completion. So, and for those that don't understand what contract uh, packaging is, there are a lot of vape juices out there that might be getting made by you and packed by you. Yeah, I think the latest uh, stat we received is we're probably, we probably manufacture products that are hitting about 95% of the specialty vape shops in Canada. So let me ask you about flavors. I mean, flavor bands, that's what we're talking about so much today and obviously all around Canada because it does appear to be that flavor bands are coming our way. What's your thoughts on that and how fearful should vapors be? We manufacture, I think right now we have over 170,000 SKUs we manufacture for our clients. Um, and what's important to realize about flavors is to do this properly, um, they're categorized as generally recognized as safe. They're artificial food flavors. They are food grade. Um, nothing is derived from tobacco. So again, back to we're under a, of a tobacco vaping act, but we don't actually have a tobacco product. What do you make of the way in which the federal and provincial governments are handling vaping? You know, there's, there's the vaping file in, in regulatory talk. I mean, how well are they doing? Uh, in general, uh, I think they're being reactive. Um, if we actually pay attention, or if they paid attention uh, to the science and how other countries have deployed this technology, they could do much better. Um, when they state federally 5% tobacco use by 2035, and vaping is proving to be one of the best paths forward, I think they should find balanced regulations that incent tobacco users to switch. Um, flavor bans, nicotine caps, and taxation are all reactive responses by regulators to prevent youth uptake. We all know they see an issue and, and we all don't want youth to use these products. However, it didn't work for tobacco and alcohol. Um, I don't see why they think it's gonna work for cannabis or vaping products. Education, enforcement and consequences is what we know as the largest effects on youth habits for prevention. It's frustrating. I mean, everything comes down to the teen vaping and <laughs> it's just adults are thrown under the bus. And this product was made for adult smokers. Um, but again, we're marginalized because they see the youth using the product. And again, we don't want the youth using the product, but they have the same issues in other categories, i.e. tobacco, alcohol, and cannabis. So the teen air quotes epidemic, uh, the teen use and the so-called vaping related lung illness, also in air quotes, how much damage do these do uh, to vaping in Canada? And even if you have a sense overall globally, I understand how this all happened. I mean, I'm not saying it's right, but I can understand how the narrative played out. Um, this was the most unresearched, horrible situation in North America in 2019. Black market THC cartridges tainted with vitamin E acetate, 
not made for inhalation through vaping was determined as the cause. And nicotine products were not the cause of this situation. I think that is slowly coming out, but the media sure made sure we were penalized, even though as the facts came out, we never got any um, media or attention saying, hey, you know what, it is the black market. Um, but this is a great example where if regulation or fair regulation is not implemented, then black market products will enter the will enter the market. Now, I mean, Health Canada, in our mind, in estimation and reporting, did zero, made no effort at all to clear up the confusion. If there was confusion around Valley. I mean, like, as you said, the media pretty much had the one storyline. And then, of course, the Canadian researchers and all of the nonprofit health groups from cancer and heart and lung and everybody else, you know, sure made it clear to the media that uh, the two were linked. So, I mean, it, it feels deliberate. You know, Health Canada still gets their marching orders from the politicians. Um, so can we actually say Health Canada did nothing about it or were they not allowed to do anything about it? Yeah, because some word from Health Canada early on in, you know, in the fall of 2019 may have done a lot to help ease the impact here. They, they definitely could have. I, I still believe they regulated vaping for a reason. Um, we're here for a reason. This technology and product, they, they see it as an opportunity. I just think we're still in the, we're too conservative almost. And we should be looking outside at other countries that are taking the opportunity to drive down smoking and smoking-related illness over time um, from the use of vaping products. So for them, and it, it totally feels like that they just give short shrift to tobacco harm reduction. In fact, I don't even <clears throat> think they acknowledge that tobacco harm reduction is a viable option. It is just quit. Again, I, I, I work closely with like Health Canada, and I honestly believe there is an interest in this technology. Um, I, 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 the more I look at it, the more I think, they may want to do certain things, but they don't make the decision. The politicians finally make that decision when they do um, consultations, gazettes. Um, they don't get to make the decision. And they even tell us that when we meet with them is, look, we're here for information gathering. We'll listen to you, but we have to roll it all up when we're done. Um, my biggest concern on where there's been a stall, um, which is very important, I believe, um, at the current state, we're not allowed to use relative risk statements. That's been on the table now for 18 months or longer. We still have not been able to been provided with relative risk statements. Um, it's very difficult when retailers are not allowed to explain the difference in harm reduction vaping tobacco. Um, this again is where tobacco harm reduction in Health Canada, we really think there should be some movement. Um, Health Canada's own site does acknowledge that vaping is less harmful um, than tobacco and smoking. Um, but, so but buried under a lot of messaging for teens that it's very yeah. it's dangerous, right? And, and I'm going to kind of use like a bit of a David Sweeter uh, term here, which is, you know, they basically allowed the vehicle on the road. Uh, yeah, we cannot advise the consumers or the customers on the significant benefits of using the car. So here's a car, but it may get better gas mileage, has no pollution. We can't tell you that, but you got to buy it if you want to try it. So it's word of mouth, which is is restricting the opportunity to get to that 5% by 2035. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, yes, they could do much better um, in ensuring over 4.5 million smokers truly understand the difference between the two delivery devices and the associated harm and significantly less risks of vaping. So that's where I think 
we need some movement if um, and we continually ask if there's been any update in the policy, but to date, nothing. What can you tell us about the Canadian market? So how big is it in terms of revenue, retailers, number of vapors? Uh, so the best estimates we have, um, which are probably pretty close, uh, we figure the Canadian market is somewhere in the $1 billion annual um, market size. That's in retail sales, um, not in wholesale or manufacturing. Um, estimated growth rate is somewhere projected around 15% year over year to 2024. Um, there's approximately 1,000 specialty vape stores in Canada and approximately 15 to 20,000 convenience stores, um, all of points of access. Uh, we estimate around 750,000 to a million Canadian vapors um, today. Let me ask you this. So, you know, we've seen countless studies and surveys and polls out that say that anywhere from 90 to 95 percent of youth prefer flavored e-cigarettes over unflavored. Is there really unflavored e-cigarettes, like vaping products out there? Um, so when you talk about unflavored, uh, not really. Uh, the product is made up of vegetable glycerin, propylene glycol, um, flavoring if required. But if we're going to talk about unflavored, let's take the flavor off the table um, and nicotine. Uh, vegetable glycerin will have a slight sweet smell to it. Um, doesn't have a lot of taste, but a small sweet taste as well. Uh, but when you talk about the flavorless product, it, it, that would be the closest you're going to get to it. Um, is it popular to help people convert? Um, we know flavors are critical to smokers looking to make a transition, and it's very subjective to what flavor they like that is best for their fit. So is there an unflavored? There is. Um, constitutionally, I don't believe that if they just said, no, no flavoring allowed, you can only have unflavored vape. I don't, I think that'd be more of a constitutional challenge um, if, if that was to go that way. Now, I mean, isn't it true, certainly that vaping opponents, when they're referring to unflavored e-cigarettes, vaping products, they're really referring to is tobacco flavors. <laughs> um, okay, there's no such flavor as tobacco. It's not a food product. So what brand owners do and mixers do is they come up with their own recipe of what they feel a smoker will want. Um, now, having said that, um, some of the most popular tobaccos on the market um, are very high in sweeteners like an Ephemalto. That's cotton candy, um, but it's marketed as tobacco. Um, others are like caramel with dark chocolate, um, and they market it as like an RY tobacco, uh, but it's a food flavor again. It's almost as if that the vaping opponents are saying that, look, we'll allow tobacco flavors to exist because they're yucky and, and teens won't like yucky flavors. If we allow the mangoes and everything else that's currently legally on the market, we're not talking about the stuff that used to be on that was infringing on, on certain things, but we're talking about the stuff that Health Canada has approved in terms of flavors that are legally on the market right now that are likely to get chopped with flavor bans. And so the concept is, is that unflavored e-cigarettes are tobacco flavored. And so we'll allow these yucky flavors for adults, but we can't allow any good flavors out there because then the teens will ravage them. Sounds like a fun lot right? Um, if you make a product that tastes like crap, we're gonna allow you to make it. Um, boils down to enforcement. 
Um, it's subjective. So how do you train an enforcement officer? This is a tobacco. This is not a tobacco. They're trying to make laws by not understanding the technique is, is really what they need to understand. And to get it right, if they truly want to do it properly, um, in my own opinion, is they've already got things called category bans. Um, we can't call it a custard. Um, it has to be an arbitrary name, no pictures of a custard or anything of that, and no description. Uh, but the consumer can come in and they can try it and say, hmm, this kind of tastes like custard. It's called ABC, um, but they can purchase it. So maybe they've got to look at it doing it a little bit differently and saying, you can't have descriptors outside of these categories and let them continue. So this allows the adult smoker to still get the flavor profiles that's subjective to them um, and maybe allows for what some of the regulators want is not the descriptors on the bottle where the youth see it, um, if that kind of makes sense. But I, I don't know how they're going to make a law that says it has to be tobacco if we don't use tobacco. Um, how, how do you define that? And, and yucky, sure, they can try that one, but I don't know how it's going to work. <laughs> is there a future for vaping in Canada or is it really in jeopardy? We're going we're gonna to be regulated. Like if, 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 I'll be the first to say we're getting taxed. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing, just over, don't overtax us. Regulatory around flavorings, I think there's a workaround that everyone can win in that one, um, in the nicotine cap. So yeah, I, I think we're going to survive, um, but we are a product, the best, the only thing to put in your lungs, as any doctor would say, is oxygen. We are putting something in our lungs, there is relative, there is some risk to it, so there is going to be some governance and regulations around it. But yes, I, I do believe that we have an industry here that's going to survive.